Hello and welcome to a special edition of the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and this month I'm talking to early career professionals about their journeys so far to discover who they are and what they're made to do and their aspirations for the future. Today I'm talking to Ailey Dugan, who is a finance and project development analyst at EDF Energy working on the Sizewell C project. Ailey fills her free time with DIY projects, cooking and country music. So welcome Ailey and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm looking forward to your journey and discussing it with you because it's fascinating. So <laughs> you grew up in uh, St Andrews and spent some of your time scooping ice cream for the Anstruther Fish Bar. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the young Ailey. What was she like at school? What did she enjoy doing? Yeah, so I grew up in a small village close to St Andrews, which is on the east coast of Scotland. Very quiet upbringing, lots of beaches, lots of golf, quite idyllic, I suppose, and very different to where I currently live now in London. Um, at school, I was pretty studious. I enjoyed subjects like English, history, French. I was completely awful at art or music or anything like that and remain so to this day. I think I sort of struggled knowing what I wanted to do after school and I've always been easily swayed by whatever my interests were at the time. So for example, around age seven, when we did a project on dinosaurs, I was adamant I was gonna be a paleontologist but then the next term, when we did a project on the stars, I thought I was going to be an astronomer. So I think that's a characteristic that's followed me through life, that I get very heavily passionate about something and then drop it quite quickly too. <laughs> There's so much that's interesting, isn't there, when you're at school? It's hard to know which way to turn and focus your energy sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So, so you did go on and study languages, didn't you, after school? Tell me a little bit about that. So I guess this being easily swayed technique meant that I'd loved French at high school. I'd done it as my higher, which is the equivalent of A-levels in Scotland. And so I studied to become a translator at Harriet Watt University. And I lasted a semester before realizing that this love of languages was just another passing fad. And it wasn't something that I could imagine doing as a future career. So I actually dropped out of university, uh, much to the shock of my parents and spent the next year in America as an au pair uh, for three girls under the age of 10 with ADHD, which was a wild experience, but wow. has taught me incredible patience, which I'm very grateful for. Yes. And, um, and what a brave decision, though, and a good decision not to feel you were stuck in this sort of track that you couldn't get out of with languages. Yes. I think it sort of it left me not exactly knowing what I wanted to do. So when I came back from America, I went on to study business and marketing at Stirling mm. University, just because I figured it was the most generic degree out there, that it wasn't committing to anything. Yes. Um, but I ended up really enjoying it and yeah, had a great time at university. I yes. studied abroad, did all sorts. It was great. Oh, that, well, that, that's really good. Just, I just want to take you back to your time as an au pair and, and uh, looking after those um, uh, children with ADHD. What did it teach you about yourself, do you think? I think it taught me all sorts about myself. It taught me that I was incredibly organised, that keeping on track of three people's schedule as well as yourself, you have to be organised. Um, I think I might have told you beforehand that I was a bit chaotic, that I did things last minute, that I did this. But actually, that's not who I am at all. And I'm very good at keeping things on track and on focus. 
it taught me the patience and sort of understanding about different people's personality types and quirks and characters and how to work alongside that. Um, I think it's taught me more than anything else I've ever done in my life, actually. Really? And probably yeah, great experience. In ways that you, you, you couldn't have foreseen. No, definitely not. <laughs> yes. And, and those, those people skills, that understanding of people and how people are different and how you relate to different people is, is hugely important in your, your life, you know, not just in your career, but in your, your personal life as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I don't think I would be who I was today had I not done that year. And I don't think I was quite shy before I went across. I was always the quiet one at school. Whereas I think now I'm still introverted, but I'm much more willing to go out there and talk to people and sort of understand what everyone else's point of view is now. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? So you did go to the University of Stirling uh, with the business and, and marketing. Um, how did you find that time at Stirling? Yeah, it was really good. So I did um, degrees in Scotland for four years. So I did my first two years um, doing sort of generic business and marketing things. I then spent a year at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, sort of doing business school over there, which was really cool. And then I spent my last year back in Stirling whilst interning at Greenpeace as well. So I um, worked as a social media intern for Greenpeace. And um, that was a really interesting experience to sort of do hand in hand with my degree. And it sort of wrapped into what I ended up doing my dissertation on and all sorts of things. So I really enjoyed my time at university. Yes, it sounds like you, re you really made the most of it and all the travel as well. Uh, having grown up in a in a village on the east side of Scotland to see, you know, parts of America and, and, and the wider world. How, how did you find that? Were there any culture shocks or any things you found difficult as part of that? Um, I think studying in America was very different to studying in the UK. I've that was probably the biggest culture shock that everything made sort of more sense in America and how they grade things. I've always found mm. the university here sort of there's an element of subjectiveness to when you write an essay that who reads it and who marks it. Whereas certainly at business school in America, it's the tests are always, it's a question and an answer. And if you get the answer right, you get the mark. So I found it a lot easier to succeed in America than I did in Scotland. Um, but culture shock, it was very, people are very friendly over there. I certainly felt welcomed. They love Scottish people. So it was quite easy to assimilate myself and I, I wasn't too homesick. Oh, that's good. That's good. And tell me about the, the intern at Greenpeace. Yes. That must have affected you and your thoughts about the environment and so on. Yeah. So I've always been somebody who's quite interested in environmentalism. I was against sort of fast fashion before it was cool to be against fast fashion. And I think the opportunity came up through my university for this um, internship at Greenpeace. And it was managing their social media platform for the Edinburgh branch. Mm -hmm. And for my sort of, I think it was nine months I was there. For my time there, the project we were looking at was tuna fish farming. And so we spent a lot of time, I won't say the name of the brand for your podcast sake, um, but one of the big tuna fish brands sort of lobbying against them and trying to promote to the public actually what's going on in terms of sustainable fishing. So it was really, really interesting. And it was mm. something that I didn't know anything about before. So I, I learned a lot there about sort of, bigger issues in the world mm. um it was really interesting I had a great time yes and, and did you find yourself really starting to think about those 
larger environmental issues for yourself? Yes, I think somebody said something to me whilst I was there that sort of stuck with me that they were an older woman. And she said that actually she was only doing this because it was people like me and the younger generations that was going to see the consequences. And actually, when you're talking about sort of the future and like net zero by 2050, I think that really comes into place that it will be people like Jack and I who are the leaders at that time. So actually, we need to care. Absolutely. And it's a huge motivation, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really, really important. And and so tell me then, you accepted a, a graduate scheme offer with EDF Energy. Tell me about your decision making into that role, because I imagine there was some you could see pluses and you could also see some challenges for that. Could you? Yes, I didn't know anything about energy. Um, I'd applied to probably 50 different graduate schemes and went to the EDF energy interview process. And there was a panel of interviewers and one of the person told me that if you got offered the job, you should accept it because females are needed and they do well in the energy industry. I thought, oh, that sounds quite convincing. So I was back home in Scotland and I was actually, I've never told anyone this before now, but I was standing at the train station about to board a 10 hour train to Milton Keynes for a network rail interview when I got the call from EDF saying we've offered you the job and I just didn't want to get on that train. I thought there's a sign. So as cliched as it sounds, I guess I do believe most things happen for a reason. And so I'm very glad that I actually ended up in EDF, having known nothing about the energy industry and nothing about nuclear power before that. Wow. So did you actually board the train or didn't you board the train? Did not board the train. Went home. Did not have to make the 20 hour round trip. That's fantastic. Well, I I nearly uh, did an interview with, um, was it BAE? It was one of the other companies, but I'd just got an offer from United Kingdom at Hawaii. Atomic Energy Authority, UKAEA, and I decided not to go for the interview because I was felt so certain about this yeah. this role. So it's interesting, you had a similar experience. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now uh, in EDF Energy. So now, similar to Jack, I did two years on the graduate scheme, so four different six-month placements around EDF, and then for the last 14 months, I've been with Sizewell C. Um, we, our team is government facing, so we are the team that is trying to persuade the government and then ultimately investors that Sizewell C is a viable project, that it will be less expensive and take less time to build than Hinkley, and there's less risk because it's a replicated plant. Uh, so we spend a lot of time and a lot of discussions and talking a lot about the benefits of nuclear power. Yes, yes. And what about your future? How do you see your future unfolding? So right now it's quite hard to think beyond size we'll see as we're going to have a lot of work ahead of us if and when we get the green light from government. Beyond size well I'm not 100% sure. I'm really passionate about sustainability and so I can't see myself straying too far away from an industry or a job that's about doing better for the planet. But if I won the lottery I'd like to be a dog breeder and live by the sea. <laughs> well, that would be nice to be able to combine in some sort of way, wouldn't it? Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Ailey, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really interesting chatting to you. Thank you very much. If you've 
enjoyed this podcast, to help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.